Are you ready to make the right moves and unlock your passion? Welcome to From the Inside Out with your host, Carla D. Walker. To be your best self in your personal life and your business life, all you need to do is look within yourself. Now, here is Carla D. Walker. Good morning, world. How are you this morning? So happy to be here with you this morning. It is absolutely a wonderful day, and it's going to get better and better as the day goes on. I know it. I know. We are almost at the end of May. I can't believe this month is going by so quickly. It's just amazing to me. But I am so blessed and so happy that we're here. You know, we have to keep thinking positively. There is so much negativeness going on in the world. You've got to keep your eye on your prize. Remember what it is that you want to do in life. And focus on that. I was talking to a young man last night, and we were talking about the fact that he wants to start his own business, but he was nervous and scared about it uh, and wasn't sure where the money was going to come. You know, I had to talk to him about thinking positive and and focusing on his intention, preparing himself, you know, that, that point where opportunity meets preparation and it all goes forward, you know, manifesting his destiny and what that means and how, how to continue to looking forward and doing that, and the power of his intentions, you know, because all of his experiences are preparing him for his future. And, I've, and, and what I wish for you today is that you're having a wonderfully blessed day and that today is going to feel like one of the best days of your life, that you got up this morning and maybe even worked out a little bit, you know, stretched, if nothing else. Even if it was five or ten minutes, remember we talked about you got to keep healthy. If you're going to live your best life, then you've got to be your best. And part of that means taking care of you. We had a whole discussion last week about self-talk. So I want you to be taking care of yourself so you can take care of your business. But I wish for you today that, again, you know, let the warmth and the brilliance of yourself come through. You know, shine a light on someone else today. Be kind. Give somebody a smile. Uh, as you're walking down the street, you know, it's not being so grumpy. I mean, I, I am so I, I asked I was asking a young man last night, why are people so angry? What are you angry about? You know, you got to let that go. You know, I, I went through a drive in and and uh, the drive in person was just really grumpy. And I'm thinking for customer service, you know, I'm expecting you to be have at least a little smile on your face. You're greeting the public. Uh, so. Um, as you're walking down the street today, smile at somebody, say hello, say good morning, you know, hold a door open for somebody, um, you know, just give somebody some kindness today and think positive. Things are going better than you think you're moving closer to your goal. You know, there is nothing more powerful in the world than a positive attitude and it will see you through the best and the worst of times and reassure you when nothing else seems to a positive overlook arms you with the confidence you need to reach your dreams no matter how high they are and if you take chances in life what you're really telling yourself is that you believe in who you are so remember to tell yourself that you can do whatever you see set your mind to 
And you'll see just how far that kind of thinking will take you. Now, those are the words of T.L. Nash, and this round positive thinking will take you wherever you want to go in life. And this morning, we're going to talk about or talk to an individual who, through that positive thinking, has taken him in the direction of his goals and is taking him beyond that. And I'm talking about Chef Vernon Nash. I mean, excuse me, Vernon Price. (laughs) Vernon is a chef extraordinaire. He has started his own business. Uh, So he's a chef, a business owner. He's a dad uh, and uh, uh, a very positive and thinker as well as as a creative chef as well so i want to bring vernon on and say hey vernon how's it going for you oh i'm doing fine yourself carla how are you today i'm absolutely fantastic you know uh we're just talking about being positive in terms of the moving in the direction of your goals and and uh, I'm sure as you start talking to us or tell us about your story, your journey in terms of how you became a chef, uh, that was an extremely important thing for you to continue to be, uh, or maybe you wouldn't have been a chef. Because a chef is not necessarily um, a traditional career for folks. It's not. Uh, it is not. Yeah. So, why don't you tell me, let's tell us a little bit about who Vernon Price is and, and how you got on this path. Okay. Uh, my name is Vernon Price. I am a 46-year-old Washington, D.C. resident, born and raised here, uh, lived a few places, uh, but D.C. is my home. Um, I like to call myself a fat boy foodie uh, <laughs> because I love to eat. Um, and I love talking about food with other people and teaching people uh, food science and food tricks. Mm. Um, I actually became a chef uh, to comfort my soul. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, what do you uh, mean by that? Been, so um, my grandmother and mom always cook, 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 cook. And they would feed anybody looking for a meal. So I would sit around the kitchen and uh, uh, watch them cook and learn how to cook. And uh, I was a finicky eater, so I didn't eat a lot. And uh, when I was about 10 years old, my mom had to take me to the hospital because I got sick. And they mm. said that I was undernourished. And my mom was like, well, wait, I cook every single day. And I know you mm. eat. And she was getting irate, and I had to stop her and tell her no, that I was feeding the food to the cat because I'm not a fan of soul food. <sighs> oh, uh, you're not? No. So I was feeding all my food to the cat for years and wouldn't eat. Um, wow. So my mom at 10 years old taught me how to cook. Uh, okay. So I've been cooking for myself for ever since I was about 10 years old. What is it about soul food you don't like? Um, well, it, it, it's funny that you ask that. Um, I, I, I didn't like the over-preparation of the vegetables mm. um, that a lot of people do when they cook soul food. It wasn't until I went to culinary school that I learned how to cook vegetables. Okay. Um, and learned that a lot of people overcook their vegetables. Mm. Okay. Um, so, for instance, you should cook your vegetable for about 90 seconds. Uh, so, at least I do. Uh, okay. That way you get the nutrients, you get the crunch, and you retain the color uh, and okay. the great taste in your food. So, once I learned that, then I started my love for vegetables. Ah, okay. So, and I said, uh, 
and the reason I became a chef, my mom passed, uh, and I was finding myself uh, uh, going down the slippery slope of depression. And I asked myself, what would my mother be doing right now? And the only thing that popped my head was she would be cooking. So I started cooking. And I would cook, 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 and have all this food everywhere. And didn't have anything to do with it. So I started taking it to work, selling it to my coworkers. Oh. So you were you started out being an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. You had an entrepreneurial was, spirit. So you didn't give it to people? You just sold it? Originally, I gave it to people. Uh, yeah. But because I was a, I'm a fisherman, so I would go fishing on the weekends, and I would catch tons of fish. And uh-huh. I would sell it to my coworkers. And after giving away a free, a free few uh few free meals, I said, well, why not make a few dollars out of it? So I started selling it to them. Because oh, I cooking okay. And cooking, okay. cooking, cooking. It didn't have anything to do with the food. Oh, okay. All right. He was trying to make a buck at that point. Exactly. Okay. All right. So, uh, so you said your mom taught you how to cook and yes. your grandmother as well. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Well, my what? grandmother's teaching was the worst you could do is, is burn it. That's why they made trash cans. And that was her, <laughs> her, her, that was her total lesson on cooking. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so as you, and when you said that, that reminded me that my daughter would cook if she couldn't clean if the, if it was stuck to the skillet or the, or the pot, instead of washing it, she just throw it away. So <laughs> she just throw the whole pot away. Yeah, uh, throw away she tons of flavor. Throw away flavor, but also throw away a lot of utensils because she didn't like because she didn't like to wash dishes, so she just threw everything away. <laughs> so, but she sees the next time that happens, just be glazed with a little white wine or some, some some stock, and she'll have a nice sauce to go whatever she uh, to complement her her dish. She's a much better cook today, but I that wasn't appreciated when she was in high school, throwing away the dishes. Uh, that was not appreciated. <laughs> to go buy new dishes. But anyway, so uh, so what impact as you were growing up uh, was food uh, playing with you and your family? You know, what impact did that have? What did you what were you seeing that made your love for food grow? so that you would go down this, um, I think it's a somewhat difficult path to becoming a chef. So growing up, uh, my grandmother had this big pot that she would cook breakfast in. Mm-hmm. Now that she cooked breakfast in, she would wash breakfast dishes in the same pot, clean it out, make dinner in the same pot, and then wash dishes in that same pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one pot sustained our family and all my friends for years. Wow. Um, that one pot uh, had us sitting around the table telling stories about our day, uh, imagining what we would do tomorrow. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, that one pot was just amazing. So it, it opened my eyes to how food created community, strengthened your family, and nourished you as well. Mm. Um, my mom was a teenager with three children. Mm-hmm. So she never got a chance to live out her dreams. She wanted to travel the world. So what mm-hmm. she did was she took us to restaurants. Um, she went to different restaurants. She was a foodie. Uh, and because we lived in D.C. with all of the embassies and the mixed culture of people here, mm-hmm. there are a lot of restaurants and eateries that support the melting 
part here in the city. So she was able to travel through food without leaving D.C. Mm. Um, and she would come home and talk about the food if we weren't able to go with her. So that's where my love for food, and she teaching me how to cook at 10, is mm-hmm. where my love for food came. And then when I got to high school, or just out of school, and I wanted to date a little bit, but couldn't afford to take girls out, it was easy to go down to the wharf, buy some fish, go to the market, get some fresh vegetables, and create dishes on my own to impress girls. Ah, so there, so girls were a part of this too. <laughs> yes, in, in, in the beginning, yes. So when I was young, I could take fifteen dollars and make a sixty dollar meal for two. Oh wow! Okay, what was, what was your favorite um, meal for a ten year old? What was your favorite thing to cook? My favorite thing to cook back then was spaghetti. Ah, okay. okay. It was easy. I could cook it. I could play with the flavors. I could mix and match uh, different ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was an excellent reader, so you can read the back of the um, season bottle. It'll tell you exactly what it what, what it's used for mm-hmm. and the flavor profiles in it. And as you grew up and the, your skills got better when, and you started taking girls out, what were, the, what were the things you loved to cook? So one of my favorite dishes, I would go buy a red snapper from the uh, local war, uh, mm. debone it, uh, leaving it whole and deboning it and stuffing it with a, a I used to put, make, I think it was like a corn and red pepper uh, uh, salsa or something. It probably wasn't that good, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I would stuff it, and, 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 and the funny thing about it is, I didn't know how to stuff it. You know, now I use a toothpick or something. But I would take a needle and thread and sew <laughs> the bottom of the fish back up, <laughs> so that the, <laughs> so that the uh, stuffing wouldn't come out. And then when it was done, I would just pull it out. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, that was the yeah. I mean, you didn't know, so you you yeah. you got what. What new soul things together, right? Yes, and I also took sewing in high school, so I knew how to thread a bobbin in the needle. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah. So, did you ever forget to take the thread out? No, nope, it was part of the process. <laughs> okay, all right. And I think at that right. time I was doing about three different meals: a steak meal, a fish meal, and spaghetti meal. And that was the extent to my menu back then. Okay. Okay. All right. So, um, tell me what was, what, how did you go from, you know, doing the cooking on your own and becoming a chef? So what was that process like? Did you, did you have to go to school? Did you have to study with, uh, uh, another chef or apprentice another chef? How did you do that? So, after my mom died, I started cooking, uh, and then people started asking me for things I couldn't produce. Um, hmm. And I was living in Florida at the time, um, and I was at home. It was probably, you know, 2 or 3 in the morning, and I saw a Le Cordon Bleu television school commercial come on television. Uh-huh. And I said, oh, that seems interesting. Let me go check and find out. But at the time, I wanted to be a baker because I like to bake. I can bake oh. anything. Wow. I went to the school uh, two or three days later, and I was married at the time. My wife and I went. Uh, we sat down. We, we talked with an advisor. I told them I was interested in uh, being a pastry chef. Uh, they said, well, we don't have a pastry program yet, but one is coming. 
I stood up and was walking out and was like, no, I'll wait for the patient program. My wife was like, no, if you don't go now, you won't go. So mm. I signed up for culinary school uh, at Le Cordon Bleu right there, uh, waiting for pastry school to, to open up. Uh, but once okay. I got in, I just absolutely fell in love with, with, with culinary school. And it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. What made it so hard? What were some of the challenges that you had? So we had to, so it was, so it was a five days a week, five hours a day, uh, mm-hmm. crash course on the culinary world. We had to scrub ceilings, scrub floors, scrub pans until they were silver again, uh, do sock checks, fingernail checks, uh, learn learn the history behind the, 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 the jacket, the pants, the hat. Uh, I mean, you name it, mother sauces. As to know before, like, in order to move from, from one class to another, you had to learn things like uh, five different flowers by sight. Uh, you couldn't touch me, you just had to look at them and tell what kind of flower it was. Or you had to, okay. I can remember one class, and this was my early class, we had to know uh, five different types of lettuces before we could move to the next level. Uh, every day we had mm-hmm. a paper to write. Um, so it was more, there was more, it was an equal balance of paperwork and cooking. I think for my first month, all we did was learn how to use our knife. And I had no idea okay. that I didn't know how to even hold a knife until I went okay, to Ver- school. And I watched. What's that? Vernon, okay, I'm yeah. going to cut you off because we're going we're gonna to finish that story when we come back from break. I want to hear more about Vernon and his, uh, his journey uh, to becoming a chef. And we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Do you sometimes feel powerless over your own life? Does it seem like you're living for someone else, unsure of what your purpose is, or if you even have an important voice? It's time to take back that control. Tune in to Empowered with Des and Jen. They've been in the same place and have learned to regain control of their lives. They also feature amazing guests who share experiences of how they have found success. Start on your journey by listening Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Voice America. 
You are tuned into From the Inside Out. To reach Carla Walker or her guest today, call us at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Carla Walker from the Inside Out at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Hey, we're back. So before we left, Bernie was telling us about things he had to do uh, when he was in culinary school. So, uh, Bernie, you want to you know finish uh, uh, telling us your story about that? Oh, yeah. So, um, like I was saying, you have to, there's a ton of things you have to do before you even start to cook. Like, one of the things you have to learn is how to hold a knife through your knife skills class. Um, and, like, I'm pretty sure 99% of the people hold a knife wrong, and I was one of those people until mm. culinary school. So there's a ton of things that go into to, to, to making it through culinary school that really doesn't have anything to do with cooking. Like I always like to tell people, uh, I didn't learn how to cook in culinary school because, in my opinion, you don't learn how to cook in culinary school. You learn the history of, of, of the brigade system. You learn professionalism of being in the kitchen and you learn the business of running a restaurant and none of that has anything to do with actual cooking. Um, uh, so, yeah. so they didn't, so in culinary school, cause I was, I guess I was one of those people who was under the impression that you would learn how to cook these wonderful recipes and uh, sauces and things like that. But that's not something necessarily that they spend a lot of time on. There's more time spent on other things. No, it's not that you don't learn to cook. The recipes and the items that are chosen for you to cook teach you technique. Uh-huh. So, for instance, if I need to make a soup, I don't necessarily have to have a soup recipe if I know uh-huh. the technique for making the soup. And I can plug uh-huh. any ingredient into what I want. Okay. If you go and you learn how to make a soup, then you won't be a successful chef. You need to learn the technique. Because the uh-huh. technique for making a soup there are probably two different techniques for making a soup. Everything, and it's the same. So you just plug different ingredients in. So it's all about technique. You learn technique, and you learn what that region does on those ingredients from that region, and then you build from there. Okay. So do you learn different regions, or does it depend on the where you are, which school you're at? You learn different regions. You go, mid, you do, like, so I, we did mid-Atlantic, we did Germany, we did uh, um, uh, Creole, we did Floribian, uh, and Floribian is anything that's on the belt uh, of the equator that's, that, that's around that line, because all mm-hmm. food, so if you look at the, your, your globe and you see the lines of latitude, longitude and latitude, yeah. Uh, when it comes to uh, the, all the ingredients are basically the same per region on the lines of longitude. If I'm saying longitude is going lengthwise, going across. So right. Hawaii, the ingredients they have in Hawaii are similar to the ingredients they have in Florida. Uh, mm. So it's just it's whatever grows in that region around the globe. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how long were you in culinary school? So I was in culinary school for two years. Okay. And then after, uh-huh. after culinary school, you have to go away and do a externship. So I chose one of the Ritz Carlton. We chose each other, the Ritz Carlton, DC. Okay. Yeah. 
So I worked in Ritz-Carlton. I would work for eight days in a row, fly back to Florida for a day to see my family, and then fly back to D.C. to work. I did that for about six months. That had to be a little hard to do that. Well, it's, it was hard, but because culinary skills, culinary schools makes you tough. Mm. It's all part of it. Um, culinary school, really, I, I've never been in the military, but I yeah. imagine that culinary school and the military boot camp are about on the same lines. How um, so? It is not Tell an easy thing to get through. It is not for somebody who is, is, is has any weaknesses. Um, they will, they, they don't, you may find a half a chef that will nurture somebody who is not tough, but that's not the place to go uh, to be nurtured. Um, it really, really hard, and, and it makes you kitchen strong. Like I, I've trained myself to to stay up eight days in a row and sleep one. Wow, that's not that doesn't sound healthy, Vernon. Help me understand that. You it's stay up eight days in a I, row to sleep one. Yeah, I am. I am in the service. I am in the service industry. I cannot tell a customer I can't work on Christmas hmm. because I'm tired. Okay. You know, um, I am feeling under the weather now, but I'm headed to the kitchen now. Okay. Because my 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 personal self has to take a back seat for the industry to the industry. Okay. Yeah. So in, in oh. the food industry, the customer comes first above everything else. The, the meal comes first. The food the meal. comes first okay. before everything else. The customer is just the person who is lucky enough to receive the plate. But in my opinion, it's the food that comes first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah it's a tough business. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I'm on social media and I see a lot of people who are our social media chefs. Um, uh-huh. and I see, you know, the 10 places that they make and they go, yay, and I'm not like down at anybody, but it's a little more involved than 10 places. It's a really, really tough, 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 physical, physically tough industry. Mm-hmm. So it's very, de- it sounds like it's very demanding um, it to be a sh- of your time to be a chef. Yeah. And I never make and it, it seems like, from the, the from what I've seen on television, that there's some degree of perfectionism or perfectionist tendencies that oh, yeah. uh, uh, they they seem to have. Is that correct? Yes, I am. I, I like immediate gratification. Oh, okay. And this is one of the things that I've learned after I didn't notice about myself until after culinary school. Hmm. You know, I can make you something a million times, and I want you to tell me every single time what you thought of it. Okay. Yeah, and it burns me up inside not to know. Like, there's uh, sometimes I'll cook something just to cut it open and see what it looks like on the inside. Okay. Okay. So, okay, so you go to culinary school, you, you work at Ritz-Carlton. How long did you... Uh, did, you did that for six months and yes, when you I, finished the six months did they want you to come back or what did you decide to do then? So I came after my six month tour at the Ritz-Carlton. I came back I was going to work at the Ritz-Carlton when I came back but I had to come back to Orlando graduation and to see my family of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went over to the culinary school to visit and when I walked in the president of the school was like oh, perfect. 
you're the perfect person for this opportunity that I have. Like, okay. So he gives me a phone number, say, call this guy, he needs some help. So I call a guy, and he is a private chef to NBA players. Okay. So he calls, I call him, and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I need somebody to cover uh, one of my clients for me. And I was like, okay, cool. So I call, I mean, we set up a tasting, I had to go do a tasting for him. He wanted me to make him Alfredo. Uh, so I made him an Alfredo dish put my little twist on it. Uh, he loved it. So then he gives me a number and says, call this young lady. This is one of the basketball players' wives. They want to meet you. So I go mm-hmm. to their home, um, and I sit down, and they didn't say anything. They didn't ask me to cook. They just sat there and just looked at me. And as they were, thanks for coming. And I left. While I was riding home, my phone rang, and it was like, you're hired. And I was like, well, I didn't say anything, and we didn't talk about anything. She said, no, we just, we're, we're, uh, extremely religious family and we needed to fill your soul. We wanted to make sure that we wasn't bringing somebody around our family who was not a family oriented person. Mm. So that's what started me in the life of private chef. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you were a private chef for how long or, or is that is, your business today is what then? So my, I was a private chef for the NBA players for about five years. Uh-huh. Um, until I moved out of Orlando. Um, okay. So I came back to D.C. and I didn't cook for a while because I, uh, yeah, it's been a rock. I got a divorce and I like to cook through love because of what my mother did. That's what my grandmother did. They love cooking and they fed everybody and, 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 and it was a great feeling of love and community. And when I got divorced, uh-huh. I didn't feel that anymore. So everything I made wouldn't come out right. Okay. So I just quit cooking. So okay, so your your what was happening in your personal life was impacting your professional, uh, right? Your professional life. To, yeah, okay. I didn't want to give people food that didn't have love in it. Like okay. I, I would not feel good, good about myself giving you a plate and I just threw it together and didn't put any love in it. Mm. Because my mother never ever ever cooked anything without putting her love in it. Okay. So I just okay. I wasn't there, so I wasn't I didn't want to I didn't want to offend people by putting my my what was going on in my personal life into their tummies. Okay. If that, that makes sense. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah, I understand that. I understand that. Because yeah. it wasn't your best. It wasn't. It wasn't you weren't best. sharing. It wasn't sharing your love. Right. Okay. Okay, I get that. I get that. So, uh, so when did it, so you stopped cooking for how long then? Uh, I stopped cooking for, oh my God, three or four years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, what, brought, yeah. what, what brought you back? What brought you back to cooking? So I got a job working in an elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, 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 love children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm working in this elementary school. Then I got my first paycheck. Uh, wow, I need to go back to the kitchen. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I said in order to survive or, or keep this job working with kids, I need to go back into the kitchen because cooking is extremely, it's a it's a very lucrative business if you can find your niche. Um, so I, I went out and I um, found a rental kitchen um, and went down to the uh, business office in, in D.C., and they um, pretty much 
walk you through getting set up uh, with your business. Okay. So that's where I started cooking again. Okay. So uh, so before that, you uh, <clears throat> did you have to do the same? Did you have to get licensed or have a business license or do your business plan when you were in Florida as a private chef? Or was that just something... Uh, you were able. You just fell into. You didn't have to have all all of that information. Well, so I'm going to say, well, I didn't have it. That's not to say I, did, I wasn't supposed to have it. Um, okay. I just didn't have it. I I wasn't even thinking on those lines. I wasn't even thinking about, you know, starting the business. I just was doing the job, um, and uh, it was all about the cooking. So, um, okay. and then I, you know, I'm learning that per city or per region you go to. The laws are really strict. Like in D.C., you cannot just skate by and and, and open a business without the proper uh, credentials and a, a licensed uh, kitchen and stuff like that. So in D.C., you know, nobody's going to even come close to you without all of your ducks being in the row. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about those ducks. So, okay. so um, in terms of starting a business as a chef, what were some of the things you had to uh, your own business? What what were some of the things you had to do? Your business is eat eat seven one seventy, right? It's your business, yes, right? One seventy, yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so how did you get started up? Eat one seventy. What are some of the things you had to do? So first, I had to come up with the plan, okay. uh, and uh, find out what my beginning niche was. Um, so before I actually uh, started the business legally, I uh, would make cakes and pies and post them on social media and sell them just so that I could have some business coming in before I went down to the city and spent all of this money getting started. So once okay. I got that going, I um, just had, I had to uh, apply for a um, business license. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I got the business license, then I needed to get a, uh, find a kitchen, found the kitchen, okay. I had to get an occupation license, uh, a health inspection, okay. um, submit menus to the city, uh, and business insurance. So, okay, why did you have to submit menus to the city? What was that about? I have no idea. Nobody was able to really able to uh, tell me why. I know they wanted me to just say what I was cooking, but they wanted oh, okay. me to submit menus and recipes. Okay. Yeah, and I think right now what's happening is there's this big push for locally grown in DC. Um, okay. So they wanted to make sure we were, as, you know, as, so DC is really big on helping out. Uh, local businesses, and the more you use local ingredients and, and, and local product, the more help you receive. So I'm assuming okay. that's why they wanted me to uh, list all those items. Okay, okay. And you had now. You said you also got it. You had to rent a kitchen. Is that are those easy to find or to rent? How did you so find a kitchen? So when I first kitchen? started, no, they were hard to find. Um, there was probably one in the city, two in the city. Um, okay. And it was tough. Um, so now they're everywhere. They, I think they, they call them incubator kitchens. Uh, you can find them because the business of having an incubator kitchen has grown. But when I first started, no, it was hard to find. It took okay. me about six months to find a, a kitchen. Wow. 
you know, it sounds like it's a tough process. So, so now you've got all your paperwork together. Was there anything else that you had to do? Did you have? You said you had to get an inspection. They had to inspect yeah. the kitchen while you while it was empty, or while you were cooking, or you you get uh, health inspections periodically. How's that go? So whenever, so in the kitchen that I read, um, there's about twenty to thirty different businesses using the space. Every time oh. a business comes into the building, the kitchen has to get reinspected. Uh, part of that business, but everybody's uh, uh, shelf gets inspected. So let's say uh, I have my business in the building and you want to open up a pickle business. Yeah. If I have something on my shelf that's outdated or not labeled or anything, my mistake can ruin your health inspection and get the kitchen closed. So, so they check everything, which is a great thing because you don't want people getting sick. You don't want people halfway doing business. So I respect that. So it almost you have a community almost, right? Because you're and you're all yeah. working together as a team to benefit each other. Yes. To, to, to yeah, ensure that everything is running properly, right? What was that? I said that way you ensure everything's running properly and uh, everyone's everyone can do their business, whatever it might be, uh, without um, uh, any trouble or any problems going on. So everybody has a responsibility yeah. and are held yep. accountable by each other. Yep, and we often work together as a team. We collaborate on pop-ups together. Uh, we share information and, and opportunities. So it's a really great kitchen family that we have here. We're all individual companies, but we're all one big house, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that sounds really great. That sounds like a wonderful environment to, to work in. So we're going to talk more oh, to yeah. Vernon about uh, his business, uh, being a chef, uh, but I also want to talk about how what he's doing connects to family when we come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's time for you to take a sweet and honest look at your life. Tune into Living Within the Sweet Spot with your host, Nikki Klegel. Each week, Nikki invites you to call into the program where she will connect with each listener to show the power of God's love in every unique instance. There are gracious gifts and elements of power within each one of us. You just need to discover them and find your life's purpose. Live healthier and happier. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-294. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. 
Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into from the inside out to reach carla walker or her guest today call us at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to carla walker from the inside out at gmail.com now back to the show hi we're back here with our chef uh, Vernon price Vernon has a business called Eat 170. Uh, he is in Washington, D.C., and we were talking about uh, having, um, uh, he was talking about his business and how he started it up and uh, working in this great community, um, that environment that he's working in. Uh, and, Bernie, you know, you've mentioned family a couple of times, and and I understand you have you're a father and you have you know, uh, a son and a daughter. And I'm just wondering, what is the importance or is uh, or significance of what you do uh, as relates to to your kids? And and what are some of the things you're trying to show them uh, uh, in terms of being a business owner and 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 your love and sharing your love of food with them? How do you do all that? First of all, my children are my everything. Mm-hmm. They come first, second, third, fourth, fifth. <laughs> like, they, they mean the world to me. Um, I have a two-year-old daughter. Her name's Olivia. And I have a 13-year-old son. His name is Jared. Um, my son lives in Florida. And my daughter lives here with me. Um, when it comes to me cooking um, with my son, He's old enough to come to work with me sometimes whenever whenever he's in D.C. So he actually loves, loves, loves doing my markets with me. Um, I put him in front of customers and let him speak to customers and work the cash register so that he will, uh, he will at a young age, know what it means or know what it feels like to do public speaking. Put him in front of people who he may not normally talk with to help uh-huh. him strengthen his vocabulary. Uh, to help him strengthen his people skills so he gets to see the front side of it. I don't know if he's really interested in cooking or anything because he just mm-hmm. eats the same thing, chicken nuggets, french fries, and barbecue sauce. That's the <laughs> yeah, he would rather me uh, make him some nuggets and some french fries versus eating anything else. My daughter it sounds like he, he picked up some of your habits. Yes, he as a little boy. <laughs> yeah, he 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 likes the front part of it. He doesn't want to do anything in the back with cooking or anything like that. He just wants to stay up front and talk to the customers and serve the customers, mm-hmm. which is okay with me. See, because that's something that I 
you know, shy away from at times. My uh-huh. daughter, on the other hand, she's two years old. She's a foodie. She every day when I pick her from school, you know, I say, "What do you want to, for dinner today?" And she'll she'll tell me, "Daddy, I want some pasta with a white sauce and some grilled chicken." Or daddy, oh macaroni and cheese, some broccoli, and such and such. So I stop at the grocery store and I make her meals from scratch every single day. Wow. Yeah. Now, are you also teaching them how to how to cook? So with my daughter, she will she she has a little bowl and she was like, I'm cooking with daddy. So she'll come in the kitchen, and 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 she can't reach the counters yet, but she has a little bowl and she's cooking some mysterious food and she'll try to feed me something <laughs> on the spoon that's not there and I eat it. Um, but I, I, I definitely um, think that she will want to learn how to cook and I'm going to teach her because I believe it's important that children how to uh, know how to cook. Like with mm-hmm. my son, I stress the importance of learning how to cook because I know if, out, of every, out, of, out of everything, I can cook and take care of myself. Mm, I know okay. that I could take $5 and make a meal for two. Maybe not but one, a person and a half, but it'd be a good meal uh, okay. because I know how to cook. And I stress that to him because there may be some times in life where you're financially strapped and all yeah. you have is about $10 to take care of your family and provide a meal. And if you know how to cook, you'll be able to do that. And then cooking has taken me around the world has introduced mm-hmm. me to people who I, I probably would never ever be in the company of and it's all been through cooking mm. so there's some, some value there and so you're sharing these life lessons with your with your kids what are your what are your hopes for what do you for your kids in terms of uh, in terms of what they see you do and and how they internalize that what are, what are some of the things you What's important to you about about your role in terms of being a dad in their lives? So, what I want my kids to take away from this is that they see the value in hard work. They see the work-life balance because no matter what, I always make time for my children. Um, I sacrifice my time when it comes to being in the kitchen with my daughter. Like, I sit down with her every single day and have dinner with her. Like I used to do with my son when we all lived in the same house. Um, I want them to really see that hard work gets you where you need to be. They don't that they don't have to do what I do, but I want them to whatever it is that they choose to do with their lives. I want them to put their all into it, and at the same time create balance for themselves and for their families. And if I could do it and show you know be an example for them, um, then they'll be able to see it and do it, and and and, and be able to provide for their families and make time for their families. Mm. Because that's what was going on in, when you were growing up, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we always sat down at the table and ate together when I was growing up. I say, well, we miss that a lot uh, right now. I don't we, I don't know that a lot of families sit down and eat. We're really rushing and grabbing fast food and, and uh, taking it off to our particular rooms, if you will, or or as soon as we get it, we're turning on the technology. So how how do you handle that technology thing in your household? So we don't have any technology at the table. Okay. I am I am strict when it comes to meal times, mm-hmm. uh, meaning there's no technology. We have to talk at the table. Uh, we have to pay attention to each other. 
Okay. Uh, we, we're not going to disrespect the food by pulling a cell phone out or a tablet or watching mm-hmm. television. We're going to sit and talk about your day, even with my two-year-old daughter. You know, okay. she, because I talk to her all the time, and I've learned that when you talk to children all the time, you help them with their vocabulary. So uh-huh. I talk to her about her day, and she'll tell me, Daddy, I ate a blueberry muffin for breakfast. Daddy, I did this. Daddy, I went outside and I picked up a leaf. So we talk about those things. And, it, and with us talking about it, it helps, it help her, helps her learn or reinforce anything that was learned in school that day. Mm. So then, that's the time when we do it. Uh, when it comes to technology, they have their technology times when it's time for Daddy to go wash the dishes or when it's time for me to prep lunch for tomorrow or when, when I need a break out, you know, they can go get on their tablets or do whatever. But we definitely don't have any any technology at the table at all. The only technology we have is a fork and stone, and that's ancient technology. <laughs> okay. That's great. I think I think it's important to say that I think we're losing or we've lost some of that um, with the advent of, of fast food, but also uh, our technology tends to be a double-edged sword. On one hand, it helps us do things and reach and connect people faster. Uh, yet on the other hand, it it disconnects us from from our families or from uh, be having that one to one communication. So it's good to hear that that's something that you encourage and that you actually uh, do with your kids. So really, really good to hear that. Fernand, is there anything um, that you'd like to leave uh, our listeners with uh, in terms of 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 uh, your love of food? Uh, I want you also to tell them how can they reach out to you and, and if they're in D.C., where would they find you or or uh, how would they connect with you? So I'm based out of Washington, D.C. I travel for parties. Um, so starting tomorrow up until June 22nd, I'll be at the Shop Made store on 19th Street in the DuPont Circle area of D.C. doing a pop-up happy hour Monday, I mean, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays from 5 to 8. Uh, once a month, I'm at a brewery right proper. Um, you can find me at the mess hall, which is 703 Edgewood Street, Northeast, Washington, D.C., uh, where I have nightly meals. Um, and uh, I'm on Instagram at Eat170. So you can go there and see some of my pictures and inbox me for meals and questions. I love talking about food. So if you have any questions or anything like that, I'll be glad to answer your questions. Uh, what I want people to take away from this, uh, I think people should start cooking more at home. Uh, mm. I know I'm in the service industry and I want people to patronize my business, but I think you will find more joy and pleasure out of making your own food and eating at home. Um, I've found that when you eat food made from scratch, you're not as bloated and, and your body doesn't feel beat up when you just cook at home. So mm-hmm. visit some of your local uh, produce markets. Uh, there's always the local butchers. Uh, shop local. Uh, cook at home and enjoy your food. Okay, so uh, just a quick question because um, we try to cook, but sometimes we don't feel we have the right uh, utensils, the right tools. Can you tell us what are some basic? What's a basic thing that we should have that we could cook anything in? I mean, that we should be able to do. So, in my opinion, you need two knives, a chef okay. knife and a, uh, a serrated edge knife, okay. uh, maybe 
I, I know I typically don't buy um, sets of pots. I'll go uh, and buy individual pots and pans because I don't need uh, uh, um, certain things. Like I may need like a small sauce pot and a saute pan. I don't need a huge saute pan. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one stew pot, and you definitely need a crock pot. Okay. Uh, for people who don't have time, crock pots are the way to go. You can put it in in the morning and come home from work and you have a meal. Or like okay. I have a few clients who um, I make casseroles for because they don't have time. So I'll make casseroles and then vacuum seal them for them so when they come from work, they're always 20 minutes away from a meal. So okay. I would... Um, Shop light to hit some of these stores like Marshalls and TJ Maxx because they have great quality items, uh, mm-hmm. like low cost, um, and and don't overpurchase. People always overpurchase, and if you go to like farmers markets, you can buy, you know, eight ounces of a vegetable and five ounces. That way, you don't overpurchase. You don't waste anything. Okay, and should and and also always hear the. Um uh, the iron skillet. I'm trying to think. Cast iron. Uh, is it important to have, or is it, should everybody have a cast iron skillet in their in their home? Everyone should have a cat. Yes, everyone should have a cast iron skillet in their homes. Um, I use. I am a pancake lover, so I use mine for pancakes because I like crispy edges on my pancakes, and I've found that mm. cast iron skillets do that. And cast iron skillets uh, distribute heat evenly, so you're always going to get a better product in a cast iron skillet. Uh, the problem with cast iron skillets is that people don't know how to clean them. So when right. you're done with them, you take that iodized salt and you pour it in there and you rub the inside of your pan with the salt. And that'll take all the flavors and everything out from whatever meal you just finished cooking in there. And then you wash it and hand dry it. Okay. Right. So, Vernon... I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you today, and I think you've given our listeners a lot to think about, and uh, you've given them an invite to come see you in D.C., Uh, and also they can contact you at uh, eat170.com, right, Uh, if they they want uh, you to come to them. Yes. Yes, they can. I'm always available. I'm sorry, say it again. I said I'm always available to answer questions or meetings or tastings. Fantastic. Well, Vernon, thank you so much. I think you had some ribs that you're getting ready to get out of the smoker or something. Now you're making yeah. me hungry. So, <laughs> yeah, so thanks so much for today. Yeah, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hey, guys. So glad that you were able to listen to Chef Vernon Price today. Hope you got some tips from him. Uh, as he was talking, we talked a little bit about uh, fatherhood, food, family, love. Uh, always a good meal. Hope you have one today. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to From the Inside Out. Be sure to join your host, Cara D. Walker, for another episode of the program next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week.